back into the Nick Bob podcast. And boy, do we got a good pod on deck today. Tons of basketball to discuss. Baylor Shireman stays. Nebraska basketball lands two portal guys. Greg McDermott had some fascinating quotes to Tom Chattel that I want to unpack. But we got to start with this. Creighton has landed Stephen Ashworth out of the transfer portal from Utah State. It appears that the Blue Jays have found their point guard replacement after the departure of Ryan Nemhard just a couple of weeks ago. And I told you about Ashworth on one of my last pods that I dropped uh, going over some of the portal targets for Creighton now that they were in the market for a new starting point guard. And that Utah State transfer, Stephen Ashworth, was at the top of the list. He visited Omaha last weekend, and he left having signed the dotted line. And he announced his commitment on Monday afternoon. In my opinion, Stephen Ashworth was Creighton's number one target in the transfer portal for that point guard spot, and they got him. So I know Blue Jay Nation is fired up, the coaching staff is is fired up, and Ashworth is a guy that's got two years of eligibility remaining, uh, and they're looking for big things from him next year. Here's what Greg McDermott had to say about Stephen Ashworth. He said, quote, we are excited to add Stephen and his wife Peyton to the Blue Jay family. His ability to stretch the floor with the three-point shot and make great decisions with the pass is exactly what we're looking for in the point guard position. In addition, he possesses the necessary leadership skills that fit perfectly with our returning players. We can't wait to get him on campus and in a Blue Jay uniform. So there you go. Steven Ashworth is officially a Blue Jay. He was first team All-Mountain West uh, out of Utah State. And as you heard in there, yes, he is married. <laughs> he, he's got a wife, Peyton, that was on the visit with him. He, he, it, so for people that don't know, he was at Utah State. So he, he went on a mission He did his mission for about two years, I think it was, and so now he's 23, 24 years old, and he's married, which I like. So you're getting an older, more mature player in Steven Ashworth as opposed to a younger, more immature guy. And as far as his game, he's just a big-time shooter. He's not a good shooter. He's a great shooter. 111 made threes last year, ranked ninth in the country, and he shot it at 43%. 43% on 111 makes. And the reality is shooting helps any situation and shooting fits into any basketball situation. My line that I give people all the time is shooters are like bacon. They make everything better. Creighton needed some more consistent three-point shooting and they got arguably the best shooter in all of college basketball last year. He's one of them. Ashworth was almost a 50-40-90 guy, 50% from the floor, 40% from three, 90% from the line. So in that regard, Stephen Ashworth emphatically checks a box that Creighton was looking to go address in the portal. And from a three-point shooting perspective, let's just say it out loud, he's an upgrade from Ryan Nemhard. And Ryan Nemhard was not a bad three-point shooter, but he's not as good a shooter as Stephen Ashworth. And Ashworth, really solid passer, four and a half assists per game. I will be curious with the passing thing. This sounds funny, like to to just isolate one specific kind of pass and be like, well, well, can he make this pass? But honestly, I think one of the most important things that Ashworth needs to work on the second he gets on campus is the pick-and-roll lob to the rim to Kalkbrenner. 
I'm confident that Ashworth can make all the other reads out of the pick and roll and that he's a good passer and all that. But the most important one, the most important read, the most important pass in Creighton's offense is the lob out of that pick and roll. It's become a staple in Creighton's offense. And so that's the first thing and on why it's important, but it's also important because that's where Kalkbrenner is elite. That's how Kalkbrenner scores a lot of his points. That's how Kalkbrenner shoots about 70% from the from the field. It's because he's doing a lot of, he's got unbelievable hands in lob, catch, dunk at the rim. He's great at that. So a big part of, of Creighton's offense diversifying what they do is getting lobs to the rim out of the pick and roll. Now, you, you got you to admit, Ryan Nemhard was awesome at that. He really saw that well. He, he had great touch. He had good feel. So I'll be interested to watch for that because I do think, I know that's a very like finite, specific, like really one minor little thing, like, but that's a big thing for Creighton's offense. I'm curious to see how, I know he's a good passer. Can he throw the pick roll lob? Be interested to see what that looks like. Overall, Creighton's got to be thrilled, though, man. They got to be thrilled with the Stephen Ashworth pickup. There's just a lot to like. Like I said, he's older, he's mature, he's married for crying out loud. He's an elite three point shooter, like I told you. Again, 111 made threes. I told you on my last pod, 111 made threes. That would rank second all time in Creighton's single season three point field goal record books. Only Kyle Corver has made more threes in a season than Stephen Ashworth just did. And Ashworth shot 43%. He was in a pretty dang good league in the Mountain West Conference. Mount, I'll tell you this. The Mountain West is closer to a power conference than it is a mid to low major conference. Mountain West had four teams in the NCAA tournament last year, including San Diego State. And I, I like the fact that Stephen Ashworth was the guy for Utah State. Best player and leading scorer for a really good team. Utah State went 26-9. and They were a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. He averaged 16 points per game. He had to shoulder the load night in and night out. He was the number one priority on every opposing team's defensive scouting report. And Ashworth was still able to go out there and produce and score. He had he was really consistent. He was double figures, 31 of the 35 games. And he was efficient. Good passer, high IQ. He knows how to play. He'll fit right in to how Creighton plays, which obviously matters. You got to be smart and unselfish to play at Creighton. 158 assists, only 59 turnovers for Ashworth. So really, really good pickup in terms of a good player that fits that fits how Creighton wants to play. I love this quote from Ashworth. This was in the Omaha World Herald from Joel Lorenzi. I love this quote. Stephen Ashworth said, quote, I can promise you this. There were times where I watched Creighton play basketball and I was like, man, Ryan Nemhard has the perfect situation as a point guard. So, I mean, there's a lot with that quote. First of all, it's kind of like a, a stealth shot at Nemart, like, dude, you you're leaving. Okay, listen, you like from one point guard to another, you got like, you got the, the a pretty damn good situation, right? But I, I think more importantly, I think it's it speaks to the fact that Ashworth gets it. He can see the amazing situation in terms of the personnel that he's around, in terms of the system uh, of the way Creighton plays. He sees the coaching and Greg McDermott. He sees the program support and and how Omaha supports the Creighton basketball program. 
you know, top 10 nationally in attendance, all those kinds of things. But I, I thought that quote was was pretty good. So again, I think when when Ryan Nemhart surprisingly hit the portal and the coaches had to hit the transfer portal themselves, I think Stephen Ashworth was instantly their top target, and they got him. Now, again, I, to be fair, he's not without flaws, right? I don't want to paint him out to be uh, – he's like Chris Paul, John Stockton, Steve Nash, and Isaiah Thomas all mixed in one. No, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to paint him out to be that. Like, he's a good player, but, I mean, he's not very big, 6'1", 170. Um, he's not a great athlete. He's not super explosive. He's not dunking in traffic like Nemhard did a couple of times or consistently you know, breaking his guy down off the bounce. He probably needs a ball screen or, or, or a kick out and a, and a closeout to really be able to get two feet in the lane. He's going to have to fight his ass off on defense because of his size and his, his athleticism. So he's, he's not the second coming of you know, the greatest point guard in the history of the world, but he's a really good player, man. He's a really good player that knows how to play, that is really skilled, that has been through the wars, 23 years old, 24 years old, older guy, great shooter, high IQ, really good passer, just a really good pickup for Creighton. And I hate to do I, I hate to do the comparison game between Ryan Nemhard and whoever replaces Ryan Nemhard, but it's kind of natural to do that given the circumstances that of of how Nemhard left, the fact that he had two more years of eligibility, all those kinds of things. And listen, there are things that Ryan Nemhard is better at than Stephen Ashworth. But make no mistake, there are also things that Ashworth does that are better than than Nemhard. So We'll see how it all shakes out. Certainly, there's a lot more movement with the portal, and, and or not with the portal, but with you know Creighton's roster and, and who's going pro, who's maybe staying, all those kinds of things. But you know, Creighton had to go fill a starting point guard need in the portal, and they did that in Stephen Ashworth. And so now Creighton, they still got some scholarships to give, and they're going to continue to be in the portal. They did lose out on one of their targets in Andrew Rohde, uh, he was on a visit last week to Creighton, and then he went on a visit to Virginia, and he is committed to Virginia. So the 6'5 St. Thomas transfer guard is off the board uh, for Creighton. Not sure what the latest is with Taryn Armstrong. Certainly a name to monitor at a Cal, uh, Cal Baptist, really good uh, Australian point guard, passer kind of a guy. But I, I, I want to say this. There's just this feeling I get, like, I, I'd i also just keep an eye on Hunter Salas. I think, obviously, you know Nebraska's interested in him, right? He's visiting Nebraska the spring game weekend, which is coming up in just a couple of days. I'm taping this. It's Wednesday, April 19. But keep an eye on Hunter Salas. Would be a, it, I think Nebraska's interested in him. I think Creighton's in on him. Would be a big pickup for Hoiberg and company. But I just I wonder about Creighton and Hunter Salas. Keep in mind, Hunter Salas, his final handful of schools out of high school, Creighton was one of them. He's from Omaha. His high school teammate, Jason Green, is on the roster. Like, there are logical things that tie Hunter Salas to Creighton. The that was never kind of the issue for how I saw Salas and Creighton. My concern was a fit from a starting role standpoint and a massive amount of minutes standpoint, which probably isn't quite there right now on paper. With Shireman coming back and assuming Trey Alexander comes back and then the outside chance of obviously Kaluma coming back, 
I just I, I don't see a starting spot for Salas right now in this moment. But things can change and change fast depending on what, you know, Kaluma and Alexander and those guys end up doing. Now, like I said, I feel way more confident about Trey Alexander returning than I do Kaluma, but you never know. But but if if Creighton can, and I was thinking about this over the weekend, if Creighton can, it might not be the worst idea in the world to find some Alexander and Kaluma insurance. Like a little safety net if one or both of them leave. Because obviously, if one or both of them leave, you need a 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", athletic wing badly. And Hunter Salas could be that. So, we'll see. I just, again, I just know there's a lot of logical things that would connect Hunter Salas to Creighton. And I've talked about the Nebraska need for a guy like Hunter Salas. After the, you know, Sam Greasel, local kid on the roster year last season and all the positives from that, Hunter Salas would mean a ton for Nebraska basketball if Hoiberg was able to land him. So Hunter Salas is likely going to be highly sought after over the next, you know, week, 10 days, 14 days, and have a lot of interesting decisions on his plate. So we'll see. Never a dull moment in the portal, especially when you got a former McDonald's All-American from Nebraska being potentially courted by some Nebraska schools. I just, I don't know. Be interesting to see what happens with Salas moving forward. You heard me mention it, uh, but over the last week, Baylor Shireman officially announced that he is returning to Creighton, which is huge. And I think it's decisions, it's decisions like that that I think help land a guy like Ashworth. My guess is when Stephen Ashworth came on his visit and they went to, you know, they went to a steakhouse and went to went out to eat and all that. My guess is Shireman was on those uh, sitting at the table, right? Hey, man, I'm gonna be here. I'm with you. Okay. Good players want to play with other good players, and Shireman is that. And I know Shireman and Ashworth are both hoping like hell that Kalk Brenner and Alexander and Kaluma all stay. But what we know right now for sure is Shireman is coming back, which is just uh, big news. Not ex- not necessarily surprising news. He was a guy that I, I thought would come back. But still, really, really big news for, for Greg McDermott's crew. And I'm excited to see what Baylor Shireman can do next year. I, I think he can – I think there's more room for him to grow. I think he can take it up a notch. He didn't shoot the ball as well as he's capable of last year. But I think there was an acclimation process that he went through that led to some of that getting used to his new teammates, getting used to the new system, and most importantly, getting used to playing in arguably the best, if not the best conference in the country this last year, and that's the Big East Conference. It's a different world. Shireman coming from from the Summit League, it's a different world when you're going against Marquette and UConn and Nova and Xavier instead of Western Illinois, North Dakota, and South Dakota. Right? And I think there was, there, there's, I, I think Shireman's going to have his feet under him a little bit more this year. I, I think he's poised for a big year. He averaged 12 points per game, eight, re- eight rebounds per game, three assists per game. I think he can get that three point percentage back up from, he shot at 36% this year. I think he can get it to 40 plus percent. And I will say this God damn, was Shireman a good defensive rebounder. 
Of all the things, I was not surprised at all with how he passed and all those things, but I didn't know he had a nose for the ball like that uh, on the glass. It is amazing how good and tough of a defensive rebounder he was. Eight rebounds per game. He had 15 double-figure rebounding games and a handful of other nine rebound games. I mean, that could have gotten to 20 double-figure rebounding games. I mean, he's a big-time rebounder. That isn't necessarily a guy that's skying above the rim to to pull him down. He just has got some you-know-what on him. He's got some stones, and he goes after the ball, which is great. And I'll, I'll wrap up the Shireman topic saying this. You know, we, we, we talk about some of the negatives of the transfer portal and NIL. Well, I think Baylor Shireman is a positive example of both the transfer portal and NIL. Here's a guy that balled out at South Dakota State, earned a chance to go take a swing at a higher level in the Big East Conference. So he transfers. He gets to come home to his home state of Nebraska and go to school in Omaha. And instead of having to then leave after one year and grind his way through the G League or grind his way overseas in Turkey to make some money, he now can get a pretty check, a pretty big check of NIL money to stay in Omaha and play one more year of college basketball. We are always quick, myself included, to talk about the negatives of the transfer portal and NIL. And listen, there are issues with both. But I just look at a guy like Baylor Shireman and think, man, this is a great example of the positives of both the transfer portal and NIL. Let's shift to Nebraska basketball for a second. Nebraska got some transfer portal additions over the last week. Bryce Williams from Charlotte and Rank Mast from Bradley. I, I like both additions. First with Rank Mast, he's a 6'9", European big man. He's from the Netherlands. Netherlands uh, skilled guy, uh, but he, he's he's not soft either. He's not, he's not uh, Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley out there, but he's not soft either. And Bradley was a good team this year. Bradley won the Missouri Valley Conference regular season title. They lost to Drake in the Missouri Valley Conference tournament championship game. Uh, but Bradley went to the postseason. Bradley lost in the first round of the NIT to Wisconsin in that game. Mast had 14 points and 12 rebounds. So I like the pickup. And it's just, it's funny. It's really funny. In, in my last, one of my last pods I put out, I, I talked about that I thought a huge thing to consider if your Hoiberg was going out and finding a a passing skilled big man to add to your roster so you can maximize Tominaga if he stays. I said that they really needed to find someone that fit at least a part of that Derek Walker role, that five out, top of the key, passing, a little bit of skill at that five spot. And Mast fits that to a certain degree. He's a pretty good three-point shooter, which Hoiberg likes to use, and I like to drag the pure five men in the Big Ten out away from the paint. Mast made 24 threes last year at 35%, and in his three years at Bradley, he made a total of 84 threes. So he's more than capable of shooting a three. But what I like is his ability to pass. Mast had 70 assists last year 
which isn't what Walker had. Walker had around 100. But 70 assists for a for a big is pretty good. But it's just funny because here's the quote. He, it's just funny after I was talking about, oh, I'd go find a five-man that can do some of the five-out things and, and is a good passer, some of the stuff that Walker did, especially for Tominaga, all that stuff. How about this quote? Here's a quote from, from Rank Mast in the Omaha World Herald after he committed to, uh, to Nebraska basketball. He said, quote, I like setting up my teammates, and many of the highlights were Derek Walker passing the ball to Kese Tominaga for bat cuts. I'd love doing that. <laughs> I, I read that. I was like, yes, yes. That's exactly, that's exactly what I was getting at. I really think that was important in this process, especially to keep and maximize Tominaga. So Mass is good pickup, man. He he was also he was looking at Wisconsin and Iowa as well. He chose Nebraska, so pretty good pickup. And the Bryce Williams addition uh, is solid as well. Charlotte transfer. He was second team All Conference USA, thirteen points, five rebounds a game. Uh, Charlotte won the CBI, and Williams was the MVP of the CBI. He averaged sixteen and seven in four CBI wins. And so, you know, I listen. You can poo-poo the CBI all you want. It's a postseason tournament, and they won it. Uh, I will say this: first of all, the Con- Conference USA must have been pretty, pretty, pretty good this year. I mean, think about it. So, Conference USA had Florida Atlantic; they went to the Final Four. They had North Texas; they won the NIT, and they had Charlotte; uh, they won the CBI. Like, I, you have three teams that won three different postseason tournaments. That's pretty good. But what I what I really like about Bryce Williams is is a lot of what I was saying with Stephen Ashworth. There's just no substitute for being able to make threes and for three-point shooting. Williams shot 40% from three last year and made 58 of them. He shot 84% from the free throw line, and he got there 115 attempts on the season. So he got there a pretty good amount. He's got good size at six foot seven, So he's a solid pickup. I like that positional size as a six seven wing, and he can shoot it. So the Bryce Williams edition is a, is a pretty good one as well. I will say this to kind of wrap up the Nebraska basketball part of this conversation. Boy, Nebraska needs a point guard really bad. If as it stands right now, Nebraska doesn't really have a point guard that that you feel good about throwing out there to go start at Michigan State. You know, in terms of the returners, would you? I mean, it'd be like a combination of Sam Hoiberg and Jamarcus Lawrence at point. That's not that. That's not ideal. I love Lawrence, and I I think Sam Hoiberg's a, a tough as nails. Like I thought, the Hoiberg story at the end of the year was incredible. But Nebraska, they gotta they gotta get that addressed and addressed quickly. I, right before I turned on the mic to record, Sienna transferred Javion McCollum, who Nebraska was really on hard, just committed to Oklahoma out of the transfer portal. So that's one guy they were they were after that's off the board now. So I think Nebraska really, really needs to land a guy like Latrell Reitzel Jr., the Cal State Fullerton transfer, 16 points per game, who is from Omaha, went to Omaha Central. Need to really kind of hone in on him. Now, he's more of a scoring guard than a than a point guard, but nevertheless, you, you need a point guard. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors. 
by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. So be interested to see what happens. And I want to—I'll I'll finish with with this. Shifting back to—I suppose it's Creighton because they're Greg McDermott quotes, but I think it's—it's it's all encompassing in what we're talking about. Because I thought Coach McDermott had some really interesting quotes in an, in an interview with Tom Chattel. It was his first kind of public comments about Nemhard and all this stuff. So I, I wanted to read—I want to read a few quotes from Greg McDermott here. Again, this is in the Omaha World Herald, Omaha.com, Tom Chattel. So it's just a Q&A here. So uh, Chattel asked, quote, how surprised were you by Nemhard's decision? Greg McDermott said, quote, it was certainly surprising, but I think you have to learn in this day and age not to be surprised by anything. It's not the old days where if people are transferring, something's terribly wrong. There's tremendous opportunities for these young guys in this day and age, and you're going to see more of them. It's harder to be patient because there's an opportunity where you don't have to be patient. His scenario doesn't necessarily fit that, but he's obviously interested in an opportunity that presents some things that we don't have. Pretty interesting stuff there, okay? He then was asked another question. What reason did Nemhard give? Is there anything you could have done differently as a coach? Greg McDermott's answer, quote, I don't think so. That's for him to answer, not for me to try and make a guess. He and his family feel it's better for him to move on. We don't have to like it, but we have to respect it. He's done a lot for this program, and we won a lot of games with him as our point guard, and that's the way I'm going to choose to remember his time here which I think is the the right way to look at it. And and I, especially publicly for for Greg McDermott, right? To not be hypocritical, you know, you you go out there and get a lot of guys in the portal too, right? You never want to be it's like, "Oh, the portal guys that are coming in are great, but if the guys are leaving my program, they stink." Right? I think you you're always better off publicly taking the high road, not to suggest that it's disingenuous. I think it's from a place of of sincerity from Greg McDermott. But it's just listen, we don't have to like it, but we have to respect it. I think that's good. I, he won a lot of games as our point guard. That's why I'm going to choose to remember him. I think those are all good quotes and sentiments from Greg McDermott given what has happened with with Ryan Emmert. So I thought those were interesting from Coach Mack about the Ryan Emhart situation. But I thought in, in there, this was something that really got my wheels churning. This was fr- continuing from the article, reading, re- reading from the Omaha World Herald article. This is Chattel writing this and kind of uh, it, insinuating what Greg McDermott's saying, then I'll get to a Mac quote. He said, quote, this is the job now. This is college basketball. And Mac doesn't think teams, including his, will be built on high school recruits. 
Greg McDermott said, quote, those days are over. We're going to continue to recruit some young players. It would have to be the right person. Will we be able to recruit a lot of high school players going forward? I don't know. If you do, you either have to have a development plan that they're comfortable with or they have to be ready to play. I think there was one freshman starter in the Sweet 16, one or two. There weren't many. There weren't a lot of sophomores. Teams have taken the approach, you need to get old and stay old. Mm. That quote got my – because I've been thi- – it's one of those things like I've been thinking about the portal and how teams are going to approach recruiting in general now moving forward. But to hear him say in terms of, you know, are the days of building on, uh, uh, on high school recruits, those days are over. That, that's a pretty big quote. That's a pretty big quote. And it got my wheels churning for, to, to kind of ask the question. I wrote it down in my iPhone notes. Is there a chance that certain teams, not every team, but certain teams basically only are going to recruit the transfer portal moving forward? I think that's not far-fetched. I mean, Greg McDermott just said, "Listen, those days are over. Where if you're just if you're just building your program through the high school recruit, like you're that, that's not the recipe now. I mean, even think about it. Even a program like Kentucky, who's getting like the top of the top twenty five recruits in the country, they're getting like a couple of them every year, and that's how they won a lot of their had a lot of their success under John Calipari, right? Even a guy like like Calipari might have to th- rethink his." his recruiting philosophy. Is that the best way to do it now? I don't know. But is there a chance that teams are basically only going to recruit out of the transfer portal moving forward? Certain teams. I think that that's a real possibility. Think about it in this way. In the transfer portal, you get a more proven player. You get an older, more mature player who's been in college and he's played Division I basketball. He's maybe been in college for a year, two, or three years. He's now, you know, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. He's played Division I basketball. He's produced, likely, at the Division I level. And lastly, if you're recruiting the transfer portal, you're likely getting a guy that probably can't transfer again. So he's kind of this is a this isn't a the right way to put it, but he's kind of stuck with you. Because the NCAA is trying to crack down on second transfers and not granting as many waivers for them. Because you know the portal and the and the you know not having to sit out that was more so at least how it was initially, and the NCAA is trying to crack down on it out of the first transfer. Like, you get one free transfer, you can play right away. The NCAA is trying to crack down on the guys that are just, you know, they're all over the place. But so think about it. In the portal, you get a more proven player, you get an older and more mature player who's been in college, been in Division I basketball, and you're getting a guy that can't transfer again. A lot of attractive things right there, right? And with a high school recruit, conversely, you're getting a young player. You're getting an unproven player. You're getting a player that's usually not ready to step in and play and contribute at a high level right away. 
And with a high school recruit, they can transfer and leave you at any moment. So when you when you put it like that and oversimplify it and pit the two against each other, I can see how you can come to the conclusion of, yeah, we're going to live in the portal. I can see how you could come to the conclusion and go, yeah, kind of a no-brainer for, for certain schools to mainly recruit the transfer portal over building it through all high school recruits. You're getting an older, more proven, ready-to-contribute-right-away player that can't leave you and transfer again versus a high school kid who's 17, 18 years old, is unproven, likely has never been away of – never – lived away from home, probably likely not going to make a big impact right away, and he can leave you at any moment. Man. So I do think it makes sense for a lot of teams, including Creighton to a certain extent, to mainly live in the portal. I mean, look at what we just talked about at the top of the pod. You lose Ryan Nemhard. So you lose Ryan Nemhard. You're Greg McDermott. you got a team that's ready to win right now. Do you want to go get a 23-year-old man who is married and just led Utah State to the NCAA tournament, scoring 16 points per game and shooting 43% from three and made 111 of them? Or do you want to get a high school senior who just went to his prom and you want him to step in and start and run the show for a top-10 team? Pretty obvious choice there. And listen, it will always be a case-by-case thing. And I'm certainly not trying to suggest or say that high school recruits high school recruits don't have value. They clearly do. But like Greg McDermott basically said, listen, high school recruits in the short term aren't likely winning for you. It's a whole get old, stay old thing. And if you're bringing in a high school recruit, Like Coach McDermott said, you better be on the same page with the development plan that you and the player are in total lockstep agreement with, or you better think that high school recruit can come in and play right away. Otherwise, it seems like you're just headed towards this inevitable transfer. So I think it's just, I think it's amazing how fast this world has moved this college basketball recruiting world. Because if you think about it, the whole idea of just building your team off transfers was a, was a little shaky five, ten years ago. I mean, when Hoiberg did it at Iowa State, it was like, wow, look at this. And one of the reasons it was it was a little bit of a, a, a volatile, shaky proposition to, to undertake was because if you do that, A, these transfers usually had to sit out a year, which makes it tough. And then B, and this is really important, like like Greg McDermott said, typically if a player was transferring, typically something had gone wrong. Either the player was a bust, either the player had, had gotten into trouble, either the player had had some issues, personal issues, academic issues, whatever, or they were struggling as players. Now, the portal is totally different. The transfers are totally different. 
They're full of good players, good kids, no real issues, who are who have balled out, are good players. I mean, Ryan Nemhard's in the portal. Max A. Smith's in the portal. Hunter Dickinson is in the portal. So it's it's not as big of a roll of the dice as it once was. I mean, I'm not sure if people saw the the this news. Did look at what Villanova just did. Over the last week and a half, Villanova hired Baker Dunleavy. Now, Baker Dunleavy is a former Villanova assistant coach. He was on staff with Jay Wright, won the title and all that stuff. Former Villanova assistant coach who was the current head coach at Quinnipiac. He just left Quinnipiac to go to Villanova, go back to Villanova as the general manager of Villanova basketball. This is all about the transfer portal and NIL and the combination of the two. You got a GM, basically, right? Well, the GM's maybe talking to the collective about what funds to raise, and then, you know, you're monitoring the portal, and you're like, you're, it's, you are a GM of like a professional sports franchise. That's what this kind of, to me, that's how I read that. It's a new world, man. And with this new world, I wonder what it means for high school recruiting and high school recruits moving forward. Sure, your five-star McDonald's All-American top 50 recruits, they're still going to get recruited really hard by a lot of the Blue Blood Power Conference teams, right? But I do wonder what the domino effect is for high school recruiting, for the vast majority of recruits, due to schools choosing to mainly recruit in the transfer portal now, right? The the opportunities and scholarships for high school recruits is going to drop fairly significantly at certain spots because schools are using their open scholarships for transfer portal guys instead of high school guys. Like this scholarship, maybe these two scholarships would have went to two high school seniors, but now they're going to two guys in the portal. Like you just... Isolate that at one school and then two schools and then three schools and then 20 schools and then 30 schools. Like, there's a domino effect of that. Will, will certain high school high school recruits have to take perceived lower-level scholarship opportunities, meaning a guy that would have been maybe a, a at a high school would have maybe gone to a Big Ten school or something like that? Does that player now have to go to the MAC or the Conference USA or Missouri Valley Conference and ball out and then move up? to a power conference? Will will this mean more top-level recruits might end up at a mid-major type school out of high school due to what's available? And I know I'm generalizing here and and I'm throwing stuff at a wall, but I'm just, I'm curious. The explosion of the portal and the fact that a lot of coaches, you know, with the portal, it creates a, a, a patience level that probably isn't there because with the portal you you don't have to to rebuild right that's just how a lot of fan bases and athletic directors and different people look at it with the portal the the word rebuild has gotten completely replaced with reload i mean look at kansas state and i know that's maybe not a great example because they're you know a big 12 school but they they fire bruce weber right 
they go hire a new coach. They bring in a couple of, they bring Keontae Johnson in. They bring like, and boom, like you don't have to like, and they get to the elite eight. So, you know, the explosion of the portal and coaches who want to win now likely want to live in the portal if that's the case. And there has to be a domino effect with that school of thought permeating throughout the sport down to the high school level. Because when Greg McDermott, who just two years ago, remember when Greg McDermott, he lost, you know, Zagorowski, Alexander, or Zagorowski, Ballock, Jefferson, Bishop, Mahoney. He lost all those guys. And Greg McDermott signed a huge freshman class that became the core of their team here. Nemhard, Trey Alexander, Arthur Kaluma. And remember, at the time, you remember how Greg McDermott described that decision? He said, at the time, some, choose, some teams choose to build through free agency, a.k.a. the portal, the transfer portal, we chose to build through the draft, high school recruits. That was just two years ago. Now, two years later, Greg McDermott is basically telling you, yeah, the days of building through high school recruiting, they're over. They're over. That is quite the change, and it is a change that will be fascinating to watch play out. A Heard at Sports Network production.